exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinkiu. I'll be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how you doing? Doing great, thanks. Doing great, nice. Did you have a nice weekend? Yeah, I mean, it was it's filled. I can busy. say that. It was a busy, busy, busy weekend. I was gone all day Friday, game Saturday, Sunday I was out with my family and doing homework. You know, it was just never ending. Yeah, well now back to Monday. Right. Back to November. It's November 7th. How crazy already November 7th. Thanksgiving, honestly, right around the corner. Christmas, no more than seven weeks away. How does this happen? I said, <laughs> winter is about to start. I mean, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Every year, I don't know how it happens, but, you know, the weather today, perfect. I love this type of weather. Maybe a little sunnier, obviously, would have been nice, but I have no problem with 55, 60 degrees. I didn't think Not it was too breezy. To be nice. I think it was perfect. Like, if it's like this for another few weeks, give it to me all day. Not a problem <laughs> at all. But uh, I hope everyone out there had a nice weekend as well. It was daylight savings time. So, uh, you know, you might have been late to work today if you didn't set that clock. Um, you know, set it back. And now, you know, we got an extra hour of sleep, but now it's starting at like 5 30. So uh, it is dark early. It is dark very early these days, but whatever. Let's get used to that. But uh, we do have a lot to talk about on today's show. We're definitely going to get into the Michigan State Spartans facing the Minnesota Gophers this Saturday. Barely pulling a victory out, but getting it done. Uh, We'll also get to some of the other action in college football. Michigan losing to Iowa. Nebraska being upset by Northwestern. Definitely talk about how this all affects the Legends division here in the Big Ten. We will also talk a little bit about some other college football games. Games that did take place this weekend. Uh, Michigan State will be playing their first game, although this is the first uh, game ever, on an aircraft carrier. And that will take place this Friday on the USS Carl Vinson. So we'll get into that a little bit. Also got the Detroit Lions for you. They didn't play this weekend, but uh, we can look forward to next weekend. They will be playing the Chicago Bears. Kind of look into that game. Look at the NFL in general. Kind of what took place. And we'll also spend a decent amount of time on the story involving Penn State and the uh, sexual abuse scandal that is going on there. I really want to hear some people's opinions regarding this story. Um, it is a very, um, it, it's very graphic. A lot of things. So when we get to that part of the story, honestly, um, if there are young people watching, they might not, you know, it might be better for them not to tune in. It is a very um, disturbing story. But we are going to discuss that, Joe Paterno, and the whole thing going on there at Penn State University. We also have a little Detroit Red Wings for you. We got NASCAR, as always. Don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893 is the number. Call an all show about whatever you want, even if we're done with the topic, because I get this from a lot of people. You were done talking about the Lions. That's okay. You can still call in about the Lions if we're done talking about them. But we will start with Michigan State. And Michigan Michigan State did take on the Gophers here this Saturday at Spartan Stadium. I think a game that a lot of us, I know me and Megan discussed it, that this would be a game in a lot of ways for Michigan State to work on what went wrong in Mm -hmm. Lincoln, Nebraska the previous week. You know, really kind of get going again for these final four game stretch to make that push to getting to the Big Ten title game. And it was anything but that. This wasn't a practice game. This wasn't JV versus varsity. This was uh, ugly and close game pretty much the whole way. Michigan State does pull it off, though. 31-24 to is your final score here. Um, a win is a win. Um, as ugly as it might have been, Michigan State um, did have the lead at halftime, 21-17, but they were down 14-7 uh, to in the, at the end of the first quarter. Um, this was a game where Marquise Gray, the Minnesota Gophers quarterback, really did a good job. Um, you know, he really, I think, got it done, passed for 295 yards, threw three touchdowns. Um, he did a good job. He's a mobile quarterback. The kid can run around. And I think you saw Michigan State having problems containing him and really not seeing a mobile quarterback like him in a while, especially this season. I mean, I know he faced Denard, but we really shut him down well. Had a problem with Marquise Gray, though. Definitely a better passer. But uh, looking at this game, Megan, uh, Michigan State won. They are now on top of the Legends division. They're 7-2 overall, 4-1 and in the Big Ten. Where do we go forward from here? We have three games left. Michigan State now in control of their own destiny. You know, is this a team after this week that you think can run that table and go the rest of the way? 
After this week. After now. this week. I mean, but, you know, even still, I mean, I know they lost, but you're at Iowa, home against Indiana, at Northwestern. They have a one-game lead on Nebraska, Iowa, and Michigan. They're all at 3-2 and two now in the conference. Right. I, I think it's possible, but with the team I saw this past weekend, I don't think it's possible with that team. Okay, so, yeah, you're seeing, like, at least one more loss probably in there? I, I like, going into Iowa next week, it's making me really nervous. Just because Minnesota, you and I were saying, okay, Beat the crap out of them. Come back. You know, work on what you need to do. And then the game was that close. I don't know if Minnesota just came ready to play, but our defense. Well, they definitely came ready oh, to play. Oh, yeah, but our they defense and our offense just look like crap. Uh-huh. I mean, that's all I can really say about it. And, you know, I've talked to people about it, and they're like, our, our offensive coordinator, blah, 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 play calling. The one thing I did see is we relied on Cunningham a lot, and that, I think, kind of killed us in the long run because he'd have, like, double, triple coverage. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, Cousins would still throw it at him, and I'm like, Okay, well, you can't rely on him all the time. Um, they just struggled a lot on offense. Even our defense was really surprising me. Because, you know, we have one of the best defenses, and they were, like you said, their, their quarterback, Minnesota's quarterback, was just going crazy on Yeah, us. he was doing, he did well. Yeah. Uh, the kid did very well, and Minnesota ran the ball well. They ran for 120 yards. Uh, Michigan State ran for 106, so, you know, quite even there. Um, Le'Veon Bell, definitely. Uh, I'd say, you know, looking mm-hmm. to be one of our better running backs, mm-hmm. just consistent-wise, um, you know, really getting it done on the ground. Passing-wise, it's that even, 295 for Minnesota, 296 for Michigan State. Uh, third down efficiency, though, I think is something that really jumps out to me. Minnesota was seven to fifteen on third downs. Michigan State four of thirteen. Um, could not get the you know couldn't get it done on third down very often. I think Minnesota just you know they jumped out early, and I think it surprised Michigan State. I think it's, it, it quieted the mm-hmm. whole stadium down. I think it just sucked the life out of the team and the players with. No one expected it. You have no idea how quiet that stadium got. When I mean, it seemed. I watch it on TV, and it seems well, dead quiet. You Sitting there, the must student have. section. We like we're watching, and he ran into the end zone after that long run, and we're sitting there. We're like, what? Did what? what like just, we all were kind of looking at each other. <laughs> we're like, he's what? We see he's did he just score? Was was that real? We're yeah. sitting there. We're like, was that? Did that just happen? I mean, first They're drive, four minutes. Yeah, and, we're all celebrating. We're sitting here, the whole stadium. We're all like. What? Like, that's like the only thing we could really say was, what? <laughs> what? Exactly. It was crazy. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think, because again, I did think that Michigan State was going to have their way with Minnesota. Even though Minnesota did win 22-21 to against Iowa the week before, at the same time, I thought Michigan State at home, they were just going to handle their business, and they were going to take care of it. They weren't going to kill them, but they would beat them by, honestly, 17, to 17 points. Maybe even three scores, which I guess is a beatdown. You beat someone by 21, it is pretty much a beatdown. I think the more surprising <laughs> thing about this game was not the fact that Minnesota came out necessarily and scored a touchdown fast. Is that they were in this game pretty much 50 minutes of the game. You know, they were in this game. Mo- Actually, no, they were in this game the entire game because it was still a one-possession game when all is said and done at the end with four minutes left and they get the ball back. I think that was the thing that shocked me the most was that I'm watching this game. I'm thinking, and we've seen a lot of these games before where it's close at the half and then before you know in the second half, the better team just blows the door wide open mm-hmm. and they just, you know, you know, go crazy and, you know, develop a big lead. That didn't happen here. Third quarter comes around and Minnesota scores. With their drive, and they just come right out, and again, three touchdown passes to uh, John McKnight um, from Marquise Gray, who is not again. He didn't. He did play for Michigan State, but this is a different Marquise Gray. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, at least what I will give Michigan State credit for is keeping their composure enough to, you know, I mean, Dan Conroy hitting that field goal at the start of the fourth quarter, and then I just a really nice drive there. And the defense locking it down the rest of the way. Again, this was an ugly, ugly game. You know, if there were ugly points handed out, we'd probably have a lot of them. <laughs> A lot of them. I mean, we we turned the ball over, you know, once. We had one fumble. It wasn't we were terrible on fumbles or interceptions. Five penalties for 40 yards. Nothing too egregious there. That's not terrible. Um, you, you maybe wanted a little more cleaned up, but that's not too bad. It's really not. I think Minnesota, like you said, I, th- I think they just came to play. Mm-hmm. I think they're a team that's hungry, and I think at this time of the year, when you're looking at any games, even when you're playing Indiana and you're playing, let's say, you know, just some of those other what we would would have considered doormats, to the you know Big Ten mm-hmm. at this time of the season, I don't think he can discount anyone. No, and even though I really did believe Minnesota was going to be that doormat type of a team, you know, especially this week, you know, this just really had me realize at this point of the season, any team can beat any team on any given Saturday. Oh yeah, these teams have had enough time. Whether they struggled at the start and lost to South Dakota State or Indiana losing to North Texas, 
these teams still have had enough time to work on what works for them best, and they're just hungry to upset these better teams. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really think at this point, you know, I've talked to a lot of fans, like even myself, like, okay, we play Indiana in two weeks at home. That You just can't overlook anyone. No. And even the player, you wonder if Michigan State overlooked Minnesota even, coming back home thinking, all right, you know what? Gonna have a little bit easier of a week. We don't have to prep as much for this game. We should be able to kick their butt. But, you know, and even you look at, you know, Michigan and Illinois coming up next week. I got friends of mine say, oh, that's going to be an easy win for Michigan. Why? It's at Illinois. Right. With three games left. That is going to be a difficult road game. It's a division game. It's on the road. That's tough. I don't care who you're playing or when. You look at Northwestern now. we got to play Northwestern at the end of the season. <laughs> that scared. game is scary. <laughs> I'm scared. That game is scary because Northwestern, out of nowhere, did not. they looked good against Nebraska. They oh, didn't yeah. steal a game from them. They had the lead most of the entire game, held on defensively, had a you know, great eight-minute drive to you know really put themselves up there at the end of the game. Northwestern looked solid. And we all know what happened last year at Northwestern. We had a score with two minutes left just to take the lead after oh, being gosh, down for yeah. almost the entire game. Yeah. But I want to ask our listeners real fast, um, do you see Michigan State going to the title game? I mean, there are three games left. Again, you have Michigan, Iowa, and Nebraska all at 3-2 and two in the conference. Michigan State 4-1 and one in the conference. Three weeks left. Does Michigan State get it done? 517-432-3893 is the phone number. I mean, I think Michigan State... I think I personally do believe that they will get to the Big Ten title game. I think that they do lose one more game, probably. Um, they 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 might not, but I I still think I see one more loss in there. Well, we'll see. Northwestern has been on and off all season. They've looked good. They've looked bad. You know, their record doesn't really reflect. I think how good they actually I agree. are. Um, that is probably the one like the one game that scares me the most this season. And we'll we'll see how they look in three weeks. That's the thing. Yeah. They could just that could be a down down week. It could be an up week. You never know. The way they played against Nebraska, we will not beat them. If no. that's if that's how it's gonna work. We will not beat them. The only other one I could see is next week. Is I or this week, sorry. Uh-huh. Iowa. That's the only other one I could see us struggling with. But I, Indiana, not to throw them out and be like, no, we're not going to lose to them. But that one, those, that one doesn't scare me as much. I think. No, definitely, I agree. I mean, the two road games within the next three weeks are really what, yeah, it does worry me as well. At Iowa, again, we haven't beat Iowa since 1989. At Iowa, you know, it's been a while. Last year, Cousins threw three interceptions. I think we all remember this mm. very, very disappointing game, losing oh, 37 loss. to six. <laughs> Just terrible. It was Halloween weekend. I, I won't forget it. I had oh. to go outside and pretend I could throw the football better than Kirk Cousins. Because <laughs> it probably was. I mean, threw three picks that game. But this is a whole new team. Uh, Iowa's got a whole new team pretty much as well. New quarterback in Vandenberg. Um, you know, they got Coker, a great running back there in Iowa as well. So Michigan State is going to have to take care of business on the road. They've been given a chance again with Nebraska losing here. Nebraska has lost the hand. We, we control our own destiny again. Okay? Can Michigan State take advantage of that? Because if they don't, well, then it's not on anybody. It's not like, well, you know what? We just we had, we couldn't we had that tiebreaker with Nebraska, and we just uh, we had the same record, but we couldn't get in. No, Michigan State has the chance to run the table, go to the Big Ten title game, and face whoever it may be, whether it's Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, you know, one of those teams. I'm um, looking at the box score real fast though. Again, Le'Veon Bell, 96 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Great job for Bell. Had a great game again. B.J. Cunningham. Um, 104 yards, only three receptions, uh, like you had mentioned, Megan. They were, he was really in a lot of double and triple coverage a lot mm-hmm. of the game. And that's why Keyshawn Martin and actually Bell was really Cousins' favorite targets. Uh, Keyshawn with seven receptions for 77 yards, and Bell had five receptions for 38 yards. He really moved the ball around. Uh, you know, there are seven different uh, receivers or tight ends, whatever you want to call it, that had receptions in this game against Minnesota. But, you know, nonetheless, Michigan State won. It wasn't pretty. It's not always pretty. But we are 72, and we're on top of the Legends division. Again, I don't care if it was ugly, really. It was, but we won. Right. And that's, we won. It, it happens. Bottom line, it does. It happens. I, I mean, like you, like you said, bottom line, win's a win. A win is a win, and you just, yeah, again, you realize, okay, maybe, again, this wakes them up even more. And look, knows next week, hey, we got an Iowa team that just beat Michigan here. We got to come to play, of course. And at Iowa City, it's a tough game. Tough game. We haven't won there in 22 years again. But uh, looking at some uh, honors around the Big Ten, uh, Mike Sadler, who's Michigan State's punter, was named the Big Ten's Special Teams Player of the Week. He's a redshirt freshman from Grand Rapids, and he did place four of his five punts inside the 20-yard line in Saturday's game against Minnesota. He also had two punts downed inside the 10-yard line with less than eight minutes left to play, including one on the six-yard line. So congratulations to Mike Sadler. Um, He did do a fantastic job. Uh, 
this weekend in that game, giving uh, you know the Gophers a lot of poor field position, which, I mean, they dominated time of possession in this game, but at the same point, they were working with a long field, which is uh, very good. Um, the Big Ten also announced Monday that Michigan State's home game against Indiana on November 19th will kick off at noon and will be on the Big Ten Network. So that is not this coming Saturday, but the next Saturday. That is a noon game against Indiana. Some of the other uh, Big Ten honors this week, um, Kane Coulter, who is the quarterback for Northwestern, um, gets a co-offensive honor. He threw for 200 and uh, no, excuse me, 229 total yards of offense, two rushing touchdowns. Um, Dan Persa had to leave the game, um, I believe, at the end of the second quarter. I can't remember what it was, but I know he was on the sideline. Yeah, something. I don't know. He might have tweaked that Achilles thing again a little bit. I don't think it's anything terrible. But Coulter, look, he came in. He did a good job. Persa hurt his shoulder. Did he? Yeah. That's what it was. It was his shoulder. Yeah, he okay. was, the whole time he was on the sideline, he was holding his pads like rat- off his shoulder. I got so you. So he was pulling down on his like the front of his jersey the whole time, and that's what they kept saying. They're like, he's in a lot of pain. Like him returning is they didn't know, but yeah, Coulter, Coulter, Coulter did amazing. He did great. He did a, he did a great job. I mean, on the road at Nebraska. I mean, what a game for what a game for Northwestern. Very impressed with them. Um, I want to give some congratulations out. Um, actually, one main one. That's to William Golson. Uh, William Golson, you know, someone as we remember was uh, suspended for the Wisconsin game not more than a few weeks ago for uh, you know throwing that punch uh, in the Michigan game. But since he's come back, he has been dominant. He has been an absolute beast. He recorded 14 tackles, including half a sack and one and a half tackles for a loss this Saturday against Minnesota and the week before that against Nebraska he had a 15 tackle game one sack against Nebraska excuse me he is um he's been playing fantastic he's been doing exactly what Narduzzi wants of him D'Antonio um, I'm just very happy to see William Golston. He's living up to his five-star potential as a recruit out of Detroit Southeastern High School. So great job for Golston. Like we said before, he lost his composure a little bit. This is not a bad guy. It's not a bad kid. He's a good person. The coaches feel like that, and you know he has looked great. So mm-hmm. congratulations to William Golston on just you know really shining, honestly, in my opinion, here as a Spartan. Again, really quickly looking at the Big Ten standings, looking at the leaders division. Again, Penn State here is five and zero in the conference. Ohio State at 3-2, Wisconsin also at 3-2, so it really looks like a three-horse race there in the leaders' division. And again, huge log jam in the Legends. Michigan State on top at 4-1 in the conference, but then Michigan, Iowa, and Nebraska all at 3-2. Northwestern hanging back there at 2-4. Iowa has three games coming up. They'll be at home against Michigan State, at Purdue, and then at Nebraska. So tough for them. Nebraska will be at Penn State, at Michigan, and then Iowa at home. So Nebraska Nebraska, a very tough road ahead of them. And Michigan at Illinois, Nebraska at home, and then home against Ohio State. Tough games for Michigan the rest of this way. They're all tough for them. They really are. I mean, we, we, we lucked we, out. Least, yeah, at least we got ours out of the way in the middle. That's good. I'll say that. Not as tired, not as drained mm-hmm. uh, physically, mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, MSU is actually favored by three points in this game on the road against Iowa. Which is surprising to me. That's very surprising. I'm shocked by that, to be honest with you. I mean, Iowa did just beat Michigan. Yeah, I know. And Michigan, I mean, that's just... That I don't get strange. it. I, whatever. Real fast, for anyone who... I don't know if you guys watch this game or not, but, you know, again, I was watching probably a little bit more of the Michigan-Iowa game than it was the Michigan State-Minnesota uh, game. That game was frustrating. So I was flipping more often, and I don't have as much invested when it comes to Michigan, <laughs> so I just don't mind watching them sometimes. Right. But nonetheless, Michigan lost this weekend to Iowa. 24-16 to is your final score. Um, and there was some controversy to this game and how it ended, really. Um, Denard really had a great drive, uh, leading uh, the Wolverines all the way down the field, really much to about the 6-7 yard line. And with about 10 seconds left, threw a pass to Junior Hemingway in the back of the end zone. And he had made a one-handed grab, and he came down, and we fell out of bounds. It looked like the, maybe the, the ball hit the ground, whether he had control or not. They ruled it incomplete on the field. And then it went to review, and the call stood. It wasn't confirmed. The call just stood. They didn't have enough video evidence, they thought, to overturn it. Um, now, regarding whether that was a catch or not, because that would have um, wouldn't have tied the game, they would have had to still convert a two point conversion. But nonetheless, that would have get, put them right there at a chance to tie the game with no time left. Um, the, Brady Hoke was asked during his Monday weekly press conference, "Was this a catch?" And he says, "Quote: I thought Junior made a catch." And then the reporter says, "Inbounds." He says, "Quote: Oh yeah, I thought he had caught the ball and finished the play." End quote. And. You know, they just thought he was robbed. I think he was hosed. I mean, I thought, I mean, I don't like to agree with Michigan much, but I really think that was a touchdown. Um, Did you have a chance to see any of these highlights? It was a one-handed grab at the back of the end zone, and his knee hits the ground. 
makes the grab with one hand, his knee touches, and then he falls. The, the ball doesn't really move that much. It does. These rules sometimes really irk me because, I mean, you have this. It's one of those things where if that was ruled a touchdown on the field, it would have been a touchdown after review because mm-hmm. it would have been like, we don't have enough video evidence. But it was incomplete pass, so then they review it, and then, well, we don't have enough video evidence to overturn it. Again, I'm not going to say that Michigan, you know, they would have won this game if it wasn't for this. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. That's always stupid. Uh, Michigan had a lot of chances to really make something happen in this game. Um, they had two turnovers, a bad pick from Denard, a dumb fumble from Denard. They got down 17-6 to at halftime. You know, when you have to play that kind of catch-up, it's your fault in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But Michigan still had a chance to tie it up there. Didn't. You know, you still, it wasn't the last play. There was still fourth and goal after that. You still could have had another play to get it in. There were some dropped passes down there at the goal line. So we can't really blame one play. But I still do agree that I think that was the wrong call. I think Michigan, they should have had that one. But hey, you got to focus for next week at Illinois. And hopefully this week it's not some stupid 67 to 65 game like last year. Oh, gosh. Because that's not football. I remember that one. That's arcade football. That's the last game of the season. Uh, it, it was, was like second, second to last. last. I think it was like second to last. Yeah, it was one of those. I remember. It was stupid. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Even <laughs> I was happy. Even a lot of Michigan fans said that. Yeah, that was terrible. It was terrible. And you got to say that. I mean, that's come on. I mean, that's just that's just a joke. I can't even say anything more about it. Looking at the BCS standings real fast, though. In the BCS standings, LSU is your new number one here. Oklahoma State two, Alabama three, Stanford is four, Boise State five, Oklahoma six, Oregon is seven, Arkansas eight, Clemson nine, and Vatech is 10th in the nation. Michigan State has moved up to 17th here in the BCS standings. Um, that's the BCS standings, though. The computers don't love us as much. Looking at the AP Top 25, though, Michigan State is 13th now in the Top 25. Michigan has fallen to 22nd in the AP poll. Um, looking at the coaches poll real fast, U.S. Today coaches poll, Michigan State 13th as well in that poll. Michigan is, though, 21st in the USA Today coaches poll. Again, LSU is your overall number one in the BCS, AP, and USA Today coaches poll. And let's talk about that real fast. LSU-Alabama, a game where I think a lot of people thought, we know these are two of the best defenses in the league, hands down. But I think a lot of us saw a higher scoring game than 9-6. to I don't think 9-6 to was a thought a lot of people had going into this game. No matter how good the defenses are, the offenses are that great as well. But LSU wins 9-6 to in overtime against Alabama to basically, I don't want to say guarantee, but they pretty much penciled themselves in for the national championship game as long as they run the table here, which they most likely should. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any of this LSU-Bama? I, I watched the majority of it, and I don't know why, but I quit watching when overtime came. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I'm, some people, so overtime comes. You know what? I don't need to see the final ten minutes of this I, game. Some people came over, and I, I I saw the majority of it though. I did see most of it, and it was a game of field goals, if you ask me. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, it was nine to six. It was exactly. all exactly. It's all field goals, and that's uh, they aren't very good kickers. I will say that. Didn't they miss a couple? Alabama's kicker stinks. Um, he was two for six for <laughs> field goals. Alabama's kicker was garbage. And it's funny to me, and this is what I was talking about with friends of mine, how can Alabama recruit some of the best running backs, linemen, quarterbacks, and they can't find a decent kicker in the entire country? (laughs) I mean, come on. That's a joke. I mean, it's one thing you're missing 53, 52-yarders. Those are tough. Those are long field goals. Mm -hmm. guy's missing 32-yarders, 41-yarders. I know it's his college, and they're not pro kickers, but come on. Two out of six. (laughs) That's just, that's just, I mean, we were taking bets at the bar practically. Like, you know, do you think he's going to uh, throw a butt? No. It's like, it's just too easy. Like, <laughs> come on. My one problem, this is what I want to ask real fast. I want to ask all of our listeners, what do you think of college overtime? Okay, and this was what we were talking about while this game was going on. Because college overtime annoys me in some ways. And I just want to hear what our what you know people out there think about college overtime. Do you like it? Would you change it? 517-432-3893. What do you think of college overtime? They get the ball at the 25-yard line. So you're pretty much you're in field goal range. Mm-hmm. It's a 42-yard field goal, unless you're maybe, you know, Mike Sadler, you know, not Mike Sadler, but uh, you know, Alabama's kicker. <laughs> maybe then that's a problem. But you're still you're on the 42-yard line, even if you don't get a yard on first down in overtime. What do you think of college overtime? Compared to the NFL, I guess. Oh, college overtime compared to the NFL. Um, what, do you, what personally, as a fan, do you like better, I guess? As a fan? As a fan of the sport. The thing about college overtime, it gives both teams a fair chance. Okay. And, you know, that's something I, I guess it's not I like or I don't like. I guess it's just kind of 
college. You want to give both college teams mm-hmm. a fair chance. With with NFL, it's like cutthroat almost. Yeah, it's like the team who scores first, and that's more exciting in in my opinion. Um, so I guess I'd say I like pro better because you want to watch. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to get this. You can't, they can't kick it. They got to go fourth down. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, college they could just kick a field goal and keep going back and forth. They keep kicking field goals. It's like they could. Yeah, it just keeps going. So I, I personally, I think I like pro better. Yeah, and I mean, that's my thing, too. And with the pro, I, I never wanted to change it for the regular season. I believe it's first score wins. Mm-hmm. I think they have changed. I need to double-check this, but I believe they have changed the rules for playoffs, whereas if a team were to score a field goal on their first possession in overtime, the other team would have a rebuttal chance. Oh, okay. Now, let's say the first team scored a touchdown. They would not get a rebuttal. That would end the game. But if, they, let's say, the first team would get a you know a field goal, then the opposing team would get a rebuttal shot. I like that. And that's nothing's wrong with that. I think no. that's fine for the playoffs. That's oh, yeah. that's fine. My problem with college football overtime is the fact that they start on the twenty five. Yeah, like I don't that. mind the fact that they both get to they both both teams get a shot. I think that's fine. I think there's no problem with that. But you put a team on the twenty five yard line and again, like you said, you really if you have a decent enough kicker, even if you get five yards, you're really kicking like 35, 36 yard field goals. And is that really proving the best team? I, I don't necessarily think that LSU is better than Alabama. I think Alabama could have easily have just won that game just as well. But when you have it come down to okay, Alabama misses their field goal, well, the second he misses that field goal, you pretty much know unless something crazy, unless like a blocked field goal or something happens, LSU's winning this game. And it's just all all that all that dramatic you know all the um, you know the drama everything for the last sixty minutes which this was a really good game it might not have been high scoring but it was defensive and it was a good game it all just gets taken away from me mm-hmm. I mean I think I don't I don't like when Lou Holtz speaks too speaks too often uh, but at the same time he had a great point I've always start started on the forty yard line put them on the forty yard line so they at least have to get a first down to put themselves within field goal range. You have to get a first down, you've earned a first down, and then still you still would have that still be a 47-yard field goal, which would be tough for, you know, a handful of college kickers. I just think, you know, it, it gets annoying when you get a game like this ending like that where it's like, why are we starting on the 25-yard line? That's why you got a game like Stanford against USC the previous week going to triple overtime because it's that easy to score. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe not for the better defensive teams. That's why they had to kick a field goal here, but... Over, nonetheless, NFL over college. Hey, if we started any further back, uh, our little giants would have never happened last year. It's true. <laughs> it wouldn't have. But still, I mean, I think college football would benefit from a little bit better overtime. It's just a little hoaxy. I can see that. Yeah, a little hoaxy. But again, LSU is your number one overall. They won 9-6. to six. Look at some of the other games. Oak State in a shootout against Kansas State. 52-45 to 45 was your final score. Oak State holds on. They are the new number two. Stanford still undefeated as well at 9-0, and beating Oregon State 38-13. to 13. Boise winning against UNLV 48-21. to 21. Some of the other big games around the country. Arkansas defeats South Carolina 44-28. to 28. Arkansas moves up to the number Number six spot. Um, some of the other games. Uh, Houston. Houston does still remain undefeated. Case Keenum just is ridiculous out there in Houston. I know they don't play much of anyone. They played UAB this week, but Houston still winning fifty-six to thirteen. Uh, Wisconsin absolutely destroying the Boilermakers sixty-two to seventeen. Yeah, you, you figured they have to have a bounce back after the last two weeks. UCLA upsets Arizona State 29-28 is your final there. West Virginia also um, losing to Louisville 38-35. to Arizona State and West Virginia falling out of the top 25. And somehow, Southern Miss is still ranked, and they are 8-1. Congratulations, Southern Miss. I, didn't see, I haven't seen them around in a while being ranked, but they are still ranked. So good stuff for Southern Miss. We are going to take a quick break here on the Spartans sports wrap when we do get back we are going to get into the nfl and also more importantly the penn state scandal going on right now in happy valley we'll get to that we also have a little red wings nascar it's gonna be a quick half hour don't forget the phone number 517-432-3893 you are listening to the spartan sports wrap on 88.9 wdbm east lansing you're listening to exposure on 88.9 the impact For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, 
as a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. David Megan here with you. Got about a half hour left, so let's jump right in. A lot to talk about here. Uh, we'll talk about the Lions real quickly. The Lions did have two acquisitions today, signed two guys to the team. Uh, the Lions signed former All-Pro guard Leonard Davis um, to the team. Davis, who is 33, he worked out with the Lions on Thursday. And um, they haven't said who they're going to cut to make room for him on the roster. But uh, nonetheless, we did add him. He's six foot six, three. 155 pounds, 153 starts in his career, and mostly at right guard. So uh, they're looking for a little more action there at right guard. You know, help out Gosder Cherilis, who has been having problems as well. And uh, you also got, you know, Steven Peterman there, who's been doing it. So, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully Leonard Davis can come in and do a good job. Uh, definitely there. So good stuff for Leonard Davis coming on our team. And uh, in more important news, Kevin Smith um, has signed a one-year deal here with the Detroit Lions. Um, Kevin Smith, who you know we did cut him. This uh, we didn't we didn't want him basically after this uh, last and uh, during this off season. But uh, we need him back, <laughs> and uh, we got him back. Uh, Kevin Smith again, yeah, did sign a one-year deal here with our team. Um, he did have injuries last year, which really you know made him you know suffer. You know his his production wasn't that great. But uh, nonetheless, he is back since, you know, Javid Best has been dealing with his second concussion. Uh, Maurice Morris, you know, he, he did a good job the other week, but they needed something else. Keelan Williams, Williams hasn't really been doing too much. So uh, good job. Kevin Smith is back on the Lions. Guarantee you will be seeing him come this Sunday against the Chicago Bears. So hopefully Kevin Smith can give us that extra spark for our running game. But uh, looking at the Detroit Lions real fast, they were on a bye week this week. So they got to rest up, get extra healthy. Uh, before they play the Chicago Bears coming up here on Sunday. The Bears are actually playing tonight on Monday Night Football against the Eagles, so they will be playing on a short week. Uh, The last time we did face the Bears, which was in Week 5 at Ford Field for Monday Night Football, the Detroit Lions ended up winning 24-13 was your final score. And uh, real fast, I want to ask our listeners, uh, what do we think of the Lions uh, for this game coming up here on uh, Sunday against the Bears? You know, we're halfway through the season, 6-2. and two. Uh, Green Bay pretty much locking up that uh, NFC North, not completely, but really looking like it at this point. Where do we see the Lions going forward here, the next eight games of this season? Uh, what kind of record do we see them having? And especially, how do we see them faring? This is going to be a tough second half of the season. They have a lot of difficult games against, you know, against solid teams. And how will they do? 517-432-3893. You know, Megan, we got to play the Bears here on Sunday. Um, You know, in last game, you know, it was a very even game. In a, in a lot of ways, really, when you look at total yards, almost dead equal. We only had about 40 more yards than them. Penalties, honestly, practically dead equal again. 14 for them, 12 for us. Very sloppy game, that game. Do you think they can go in the Soldier Field? Do you think they'll beat them here and start off, you know, after their bye week, second half of the season strong? They, they should. I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, the Bears, yeah, they're, they're a pretty mediocre team, if you ask me. I mean, yeah, dead even when we played them last time. But yeah, they're 4-3. and three. Have they have they improved much? Um, not that I've seen so much. Um, Lions, yeah, we struggled for a couple games, but we came back strong right before the bye week. And I think with that week off and the way we ended, I think they want to come back and they want to beat them, and I think they can do it. Oh, yeah. I think they will do it. I, I really do. I think on the short week... Um, I think that does play a fact, no matter what, into it. I, you know, it played a fact, and I think us losing to the Niners. Um, you play on Monday Night Football, and it's not always easiest to turn that around and get ready and play on Sunday again. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's one day, it makes a big difference, and especially you're playing at night on Monday. It's not like you're playing Monday at one in the afternoon. Um, not to mention, Detroit is four and zero on the road this year, and we're two and zero against our division. I think you look at all these factors, not to mention we have the best uh, different point differential in the league at plus 92. I think the Lions can score. I think, I think Stafford 
really looked solid this last week against the Broncos. Calvin Johnson, as usual, looking great. Even our running game not looking that half bad, and we just got Kevin Smith back. I think with the Bears being on their short week, I think Detroit goes into Chicago and gets a win here. Mm-hmm. I, I see no reason, honestly, why they shouldn't. I think the bye week helps them out, gives them a lot of extra rest. And I think that I, I really think the big thing for me is us getting Kevin Smith. I know Maurice Morris did a pretty good job last week, don't get me wrong, against the Broncos, but we needed something else. Javid is not going to be playing again this week. There's just no way. That, that concussion has really messed him up, and there's just no way that's going to happen. Uh, you look ahead for the Detroit Lions here, though. It gets tough. It gets tough. They have to play the Panthers the next week at home. And, again, that's a game you assume we should win. But never count out Cam Newton. They can score. Um, Undoubtedly, the Panthers can score the football. And then you have Thanksgiving Day against the Green Bay Packers. And if anyone did not see the Packers yesterday, Aaron Rodgers is absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) He is ridiculous. I mean, these guys got 24 touchdowns. Uh, What is it? Three interceptions? Um, He's unstoppable. He's absolutely unstoppable. Aaron Rodgers, hands down the MVP of the season of, of the you know the league right now. He's he's playing lights out. I mean, don't get me wrong. Matt Stafford, 19 touchdowns, four picks, no loss fumbles. Great job for Stafford. But that is going to be one heck of a ball game on Thanksgiving. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, Excited. it's going to be huge. And I know, you know, I, I keep thinking that we're going to split with Green Bay this season. But I cannot be shocked at all if we lose both of these games. I can't be. I mean... The, the Packers here, they just look unbeatable. The thing is, they do give up a lot of points. They give up a lot of points for some reason. They, their defense hasn't been as stout, I think, as a lot of people expected it to be. But still, nonetheless, I mean, come on. Green Bay, 8 no, just I mean, they did let Phillip Rivers in the you know weird Chargers, these Chargers, the way they play football. They 21 points back, they come back, they almost feel like, and then, they, of course, Phillip Rivers throws a pick. Of course he throws a pick. Another pick. I don't know why I picked this guy up in fantasy. Stupidest thing to ever do. I mean, last season he had 33 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. And this season, what, he threw three yesterday with four touchdowns. So now he has 11 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Hmm. Great job, Phillip Rivers. (laughs) Great job. I mean, his team doesn't help him at times. They're way too penalty-ridden. Week after week, they always deal with penalties. But still, I mean, come on. But really, if you want to look at some of the best here in the NFC, Packers... Niners at 7-1. and one. Ravens, well, no, that's not the NFC. That's the AFC. But they're looking at the best in the league. Ravens at, like, the three-spot. Giants, they have the Lions in the five-spot right now. So, uh, again, yeah, just play strong after the bye week. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking. You're really looking like we're kind of be factoring in with the Falcons, Cowboys, Eagles for a possible wild-card berth. But the Lions can only worry about who they're playing. Take care of business. Oh, yeah. But it uh, should be a good game. Again, the Lions will be playing this game at 4.15 on Sunday. The game was originally slated for 1 o'clock, but they did move it. Uh, looking around the rest of the NFL this past week, the Jets come away with a nice win against the Bills, 27-11. to Cowboys beat up on the Seahawks, 23-13. DeMarco Murray, um, an absolute stud, came out of nowhere two weeks ago, ran for 139 yards on 22 carries, um, absolutely completely picking up all the slack for Felix Jones being injured. Uh, Miles Austin did go down, re-injuring that hamstring. He'll be out two to four weeks. So anyone with Miles Austin, sorry, he's going to be down again. The Falcons beat up on the Colts. Oh, you Colts, you make me sad. Mm. Oh, and nine. Lost without Peyton. <laughs> they just they they completely <laughs> lost. They lost thirty-one to seven to the Falcons. Absolutely getting destroyed. Um, you know, Painter doing what he can, but it's such a difficult offense to run. They have no running game. Uh, the Colts zero and nine, and honestly, really looking like a team that could go zero and sixteen. They really could. They, I, I checked their schedule out. The only two games you see them as possible wins, they play Jacksonville twice still. Um, and the one at Jacksonville to end the season, I don't think it's a loss. They play Jacksonville next week, though. They may, they might get a win there. But we could see another 0-16 team very soon. I was going to say, I think every person who believes in the Detroit Lions know that an 0-16 season is completely possible. It's very possible. And, hey, the Colts, <laughs> oh, keep doing You'll get Andrew Luck. Yeah, you'll get Andrew Luck, so you can start your whole franchise over again. And Andrew Luck's not a bad piece to start with. Uh, the Dolphins getting their first win of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. 31-3 to is your final score there. So the Dolphins will not be 0-16. They're 1-7. So we can't, we're talking like, we have two 0-6 teams? Like, no way. Talking to a friend of mine, I'm like, what do you think? Like, what are the odds of two 0-16 teams? Like, not a chance. Not very good. Not very good at all. <laughs> Saints beat up, beat up on the Bucks. 27-16 is your final there. 49ers winning again, beating the Redskins. Redskins have fallen off after their good start. 49ers now uh, winning 19 and 11, 19 to 11, excuse me. The Bengals quietly 6-2 and, and on top, tied, tied up there with the Steelers. 
for the, in the AFC North. I don't know how the Bengals are doing it. Andy, Andy Dalton um, playing great as a rookie quarterback. Cedric Benson, A.J. Green as their receiver. Bengals winning 24-17. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. Really coming out of nowhere. Do still have to play the Steelers and the uh, and the Ravens, but they've been doing it. They've been holding their own um, in the league. They're so good for them. Texans winning uh, against the Browns, thirty to twelve. Broncos and Tim Tebow. Oh, uh, they got to win thirty eight twenty four. Broncos did win um, against Carson Palmer, who made a few too many mistakes. Um, and the Giants beating the Patriots twenty four to twenty. You know, geez, against at home. Patriots were at home, and Giants had a nice final drive to close it out. They just couldn't get it done. It's like a re- it's like 07 all over again. Mm. That was an awesome Super Bowl. <laughs> that was an awesome Super Bowl. Oh yeah, okay. And the Packers again lost uh they, excuse me, beat the Chargers 45 to 38 in what turned into a complete shootout by the end of it. Rivers had four touchdown passes but also three interceptions. Aaron Rodgers though, four touchdowns, no picks, 247 yards, 21 of 26 throwing. Does it get any better than that? I don't know. Cardinals defeat the Rams 19 to 13 in overtime. Patrick Peterson, a rookie from LSU, returns a punt for 99 yards to win in overtime. And the Ravens beat the Steelers 23 to 20 on a last, uh, a last second really pass from Joe Flacco to Torrey Smith. Great game, always Ravens Steelers, one of my favorite games to watch. Did you get a chance to watch that game yesterday? Which game? Uh, Steelers Ravens at Sunday Night Football. No. Oh, you missed a good one. I was out to dinner with my family. It was my grandpa's birthday. Well, I guess that's okay. You're absolved. <laughs> I'd rather go out to dinner than probably watch that. Olive Garden. I mean, it was delicious. Did you get salad breadsticks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I got <laughs> like, like, of course. A, I got like a portobello mushroom stuffed tortellini, and it was like delicious. That sounds good. You know what I had? What? I had chicken and pierogies, so not too bad. No, that's still pretty good. Not too bad. I mean, Mrs. T's pierogies. I mean, I prefer homemade pierogies, but what are you going to do? Mrs. T's pierogies are good, too. They're not bad. Spinach, feta, something. Oh, yeah. All right. No food talk. <laughs> If we talk again, Monday Night Football is kicking off here at 8.30. Bears against the Eagles. Eagles looking for a win. Cowboys now 4-4 four and four after their win this weekend. Eagles need to stay on pace. And Bears still fighting for that wild card spot. So Bears at 4-3. and three. They're going to have to look for a win. Look for Matt Forte to probably run all over Philadelphia. Uh, but I'm going to go yeah, I'm gonna go with the Eagles. Real fast, you got Eagles or Bears tonight. Monday Night Football. Yeah, Eagles. Eagles. I'm talking about. Yeah, Giants on top of the NFC, NFC East right now at 6-2. and two. Uh, They have a two-game lead on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, New Orleans, one game ahead of Atlanta in the NFC South at 6-3. and three. San Francisco running away with the NFC West. The AFC really looking very interesting. New England, the Jets, and Buffalo all at 5-3 and three in the AFC East. And then you have Cincinnati, Baltimore tied at 6-2 and two in the North, which picked with Pittsburgh right behind them at 6-3. and three. Houston has a two-game lead in the AFC South over Tennessee at 6-3. and three right now and looking at the AFC West Kansas City San Diego and Oakland all at four and four and Denver right there at three and five the crappy AFC West battles it out they all have negative and point differential these teams like they're jokes but Chargers probably in some way like they usually do will come out and win that game but we're going to move on to um, a story again this story is quite graphic it has to do with Penn State and the scandal going on Um, we're going to get to that right now Um, what has been reported here okay is that Jerry Sandusky who used to be uh, used to be under uh, Joe Paterno for, as a defensive coordinator for many years, over thirty years with them. As, you know, as a coach, as a player, even for part of the time, uh, he's been charged with multiple counts, multiple counts of child molestation, of, of improper actions towards children, um, sexual assault. Um, it goes on and on. Eight, um, I, th- I believe it's forty counts of this. Forty counts. Which is absolutely disgusting, um, in really every way possible. It, it's 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 just disgusting. Um, against eight separate children, a grand jury report came out on Friday regarding this. They indicted um, Curley, who is the uh, athletic director there, and also Schultz, who is the vice president, part of finance and such with Penn State University. Those guys were both indicted and had to go to uh, had their arraignment today in court. Um, this was something that went on. For over 15 years, it was a period of 15 years from 1994 to 2009, okay? The prosecutor for the case said Penn State officials never made any attempt to identify the child that the grand assistant, the grad assistant saw in the showers with Sandusky in 2002. And this is what it all stems from, okay? That in 2002, a grad, ex- uh, a grad assistant by the name of Mike McQuery, okay, came to Joe Paterno and told him that he had seen... A young boy around the showers with 
Jerry Sandusky did not get into specific details of what happened, but said it was inappropriate. Joe Paterno then goes to the AD, Curly, lets him know what happened, just told him what happened, and that was all that was said and done there. Everything got wiped under the rug for years and years and years. And now, again, we have Jerry Sandusky facing so many counts of grotesque behavior. Again, this grand jury report is on it's it's to the public anyone can read this it's online if you have the stomach for it read it it's very disturbing it's a very tough read i'm only halfway through it right now and it is very tough to read it has to do with eight separate victims around the ages most of them from 10 to 13 years old um even they said some as like young as nine roughly that were involved in this um and it's very very sad to say it's very it's a sad day for penn state university it's a sad day for the players for the faculty for everyone not involved in this that has to now deal with this, the people that have worked there, the students that have nothing to do with any of this, that are having one of the best seasons they've had in a long time, and now they have to deal with this. I feel very, very sorry for them. But here's the question I want to ask all of our listeners. What should happen with Joe Paterno? Because as of right now, I can guarantee you, Curley and Schultz, they have, they have resigned. They are, they are done. Okay, The AD... Stepping down. Again, vice president stepping down. What should happen to Joe Paterno? Now, legally, Joe Paterno did not do anything wrong. The, the, the police, uh, the law enforcement has said that, that he has not done anything technically wrong. He went to, you know, he went and he told uh, the AD what he had heard, uh, but he had never done anything else. Here's a quote from Joe Paterno regarding the charges. He says, quote, the fact that someone we thought we knew might have harmed young people to this extent is deeply troubling. If this is true, we are all fooled, along with the scores of professionals trained in such things, and we grieve for the victims and their families. They are in our prayers, end quote. Again, Sandusky was someone who spent three decades at the school running the defense, likely considered to be the successor of Paterno for a while before Paterno just decided to stay there. Again, this covers the periods from 1994 to 2009. Sandusky is married with six adopted children. He retired in 1999 from Penn State, but they continue to use the school's facilities, and he, he was using them quite often. What should happen to Joe Paterno? 517-432-3893. Should he step down? Should he be fired? What are your thoughts? 517-432-3893. I'll start with you, Megan. What do you think should happen here with Joe? From what we know, at least as of now, what should happen with Joe Paterno? As of now, um, like you've said, he is in no legal trouble. No, legally so he's not. I, there's no no reason or no rhyme or no whatever that they can fire Joe Paterno. Um, so I don't think that that's really going to happen. For what we know of right now, something else might come out. S- stuff normally does when people get under pressure, under media. Stuff does start coming out more and more. We'll see if anything comes out from him. But as of right now, I don't think there's any way he's going to get fired just because he has not done technically anything wrong. He hasn't broken any rules. He hasn't you know, gotten in any trouble. Mm-hmm. He just knew about it and told someone, which got him out of out of trouble. And so, honestly, I think he should, just like because of this and because I think of his age and how long he's been around, I think he should go. Okay. To be honest, I think he should leave, and I think he should be done. Uh, for me... Yeah, I personally believe that he needs to step down, and if not step down, he needs to get fired. I mean, yes, legally, he did not do anything wrong. I mean, Frank Noonan, who is the state police commissioner, has reported that Paterno fulfilled his legal requirement to report. He did tell the AD that something had gone on. Uh, My question still is, this is a man that has been with this university for 46 years as his head coach. Um... No one knows who Curly is. No one knows who Schultz is. We all know who Joe Paterno is. Okay, Joe Paterno is the face of Penn State football. He has been for de- for nearly five decades. And here is what the Frank Noonan says, and this is what I call in the question as well regarding Paterno. He says, quote, But somebody has to question about what I would consider the moral requirements for a human being that knows of sexual things that are taking place with a child. I think you have the moral responsibility, anyone, Now, whether you are a football coach or a university president or the guy sweeping the building, I think you have a moral responsibility to call us, end quote. And that's my problem. 
It's almost like, okay, you go up to your AD and you tell him about this, but yet you're not you're not talking to Jerry Sandusky, someone you've known for over 30 years, about what the heck's going on? What happened? Give me your side of the story. Let me hear. You don't follow up with Curly and say, did you check into this? What's going on with that? You never once called the cops on your own accord? I mean, if anyone, if I ever found out anything like this was ever going on, I wouldn't just go to my boss and say, hey, boss. Yeah, I saw um, you know, I saw Bill in the back room with this kid. You can take care. Okay. And then never worry about it again and never mention it. Ne- never bring it up. I just think, again, yeah, legally he did nothing wrong. Morally, I think he did everything wrong. The thing is, how can you fire someone on a moral account, though? Because of what? Uh, because of the, the you know the poop storm. Because I can't swear in there that this this whole thing is this cloud of darkness that yes has completely come under Penn State. I think that it would be egregious for them to leave Joe Paterno as the coach. I know he's been there forever. I know he's beloved in so many different circles. But just the fact that this man's eighty four and he looks like a sweet old grandpa does not absolve him, in my opinion, from. You know, knowingly or not knowingly enough, he, listen, he, he, he always preaches about integrity and preaches about all these things at his university, which honestly, he might as well be the president of the university, which the way it seems like it's run these days. I'm sorry, you know this guy forever. This has all been swept out of the rung for money purposes for years and years. The fact that this guy went for 15 years and that there were eight victims and that nobody, Curly Schultz, everyone included, Mike McQueary, no one went to the police. Not one person. I mean, you see a man, an old man with a 10-year-old child taking a shower in a locker room and you don't go to the police or even go to your friend and speak with him regarding it? Uh, To me, I just think it's a complete lack uh, of just any responsibility on Paterno's part, and I believe he should step down. And if he doesn't, I think he should get fired. Um, I just think it's something that it just it disgusts me that this went on. I feel, again, terrible for all the alums, faculty, everyone, all the students that have nothing to do with this. That this was a cover-up for nearly two decades that went on just so that this school just rolled the dice so that this wouldn't come to light. And it did. And it's come to light now with all these kids that are now older, all these kids that are now in their 20s and you know, late teens, 19, 20 years old, that are now stepping forward and talking about things that are initiated with a soap battle in the shower that led to multiple incidences of, of involuntary sexual intercourse. Disgusting. I mean, I just, I just it, it really bothers me. I just don't think Paterno can be exempt for this. I know illegally he didn't do anything wrong, but I mean, still, I don't know. I I don't know. I just everything you said, like him being looking like the sweet old grandpa and being around for so long, I think it's going to make it tougher on the university to fire him. I honestly think they're just going to leave it up to him to leave or not. And what I think is, and like you said, what I think is going to happen is that it'll it'll be a thing like, you know, Jim Trussell in the sense that he won't get fired; he'll resign. Okay, they're going to let Paterno know, listen, here's what we got to have to do. We're going to have to fire you. You're going to have to resign because we're clearing house. We need a whole new set of people at the top from the, for at least for the sake of just for the way it looks. You at least need, you need to cut off the head of the snake and the arms of the snake, which you could count as, you know, Schultz and Paterno and McQuarrie and all these other guys and start fresh. Because if you have any of these people that were so involved here still with this incident, down, it'll never go away. I mean, what's going to happen this weekend? What's going to happen this weekend with after the press conference, after Penn State plays Nebraska? Oh, well, we're not talking about that? Well, no, that's what everyone's talking about. That's what everyone's talking about. So at the same time, I just think, personally, Paterno needs to go. Simple as that. I just think, you know, whether you reported it to, you know, your higher up, yeah, you might have done that. But I don't th- you, you never followed up. You never did anything more as an adult to really make sure that this was put to bed. And, you know, if this was someone that was your defensive coordinator for years and years and you never did anything about it, and, you know, it just just bothers me. Because, you know, I always like Joe Paterno, but I'm sorry. I don't think he just did his responsibility by going to tell the AD, hey, you know, this grad assistant, he told me this thing. He wasn't too sure on a lot of things, but it sounds like it might be Sandusky, you know, kind of with this kid, look into it. No, I'm sorry. If I was the head coach, if I was representing that university, I'd have a little bit more involvement regarding that and making sure that things got taken care of. Uh, We'll probably definitely get into more of that next week. This is not going anywhere. Uh, We just don't have enough time for this week. But um, as of right now, maybe a little uh, little NASCAR for all of our uh, driving fans out there? Why not? Let's lighten the mood a little bit, why don't we? Um... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, not not trying to be you know all uh, you know Maury Povich over here. No, Dave's just going on his angry rants. I'm just yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, we're down to the last two races of the season. The last two races of the chase. Um, last weekend was in Texas. Um, I guess if we want to get the kind of sad stuff out of the way real quick, there was a um, someone who died actually in Texas uh, for motocross. Oh, really? So yeah, I, his last name's McNeil. I can't remember. Is it maybe it's Jim? I think it's Jim McNeil. Okay. Um, he was in the X Games. He did a bunch of stuff. He won a bunch of stuff. He was in a practice round. I think he crashed. They airlifted him, and he died at the hospital. So. And thoughts and prayers out to him, you know, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. Because this has been going on past, like, three or four weeks. We've had, like, three casualties. Yeah, and really. That's, it's insane. Um, anyway, yeah, last week was in Texas. Um, you know, I think Tony Stewart's starting to get unstoppable. He, he's just, looking I'm like just it. just saying, he's not even in the lead in the chase either. No, Edwards. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, he, he won his fourth race, um, you know, Honestly, I only saw part of this race. I for, kind of forgot about it because I switched to football. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really, like, too too exciting of a race. You know, not a, not a lot of lead changes, not a lot of cautions, all that kind of stuff. The one, or I'll give you the top ten real quick, then I'll, then I'll get into the kind of exciting part about NASCAR this weekend. Um, top ten, Tony Stewart came in first, Carl Edwards second, which is why it's back and forth between these two right now. Carl Edwards, Tony Stewart for the chase. Casey Kane, third. Kenseth, fourth. Biffle, fifth. Gordon came in sixth. Yell Earnhardt in seventh. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., eighth. Clint Boyer, ninth. And A.J. Allmendinger was in tenth. Um, like I said, nothing nothing too great. I, when I when I stopped watching, they'd only been in one caution, and they were probably at least pff, 100 and something laps in. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I mean, nothing crazy. I'll give you your top five in, in the chase. Carl Edwards, Tony Stewart. You know, they're, Tony Stewart's only three behind. I don't even know how he is with winning four of these races, but they have all this stuff within the race that gets you points and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, how whatever. many laps you've led. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. All that kind of stuff. Kevin Harvick third, Kenseth fourth, and Brad Keselowski fifth. Honestly, I think it's uh, between the top three. I'm seeing it down to Harvick, Stewart, and Edwards. Honestly, you want me to get really specific? I think it's the, the top two. When and, these last and two who races, are you going to give it to? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to say Tony Stewart's going to pull it out in the end. I mean, he can't win four races in in the in the series and blow it. You wouldn't think so. No, it, it can happen for sure, though. But I, I don't think. Um, okay, real quick, because I know we don't have much time left. Um, the really, really big talk of NASCAR this weekend was about Kyle Busch. He um, (laughs) raced in the truck series this weekend, got angry, you know, like they always do, ran a guy who's actually going for the championship for the truck series uh, into a wall. Pretty bad. Um, Ron Hornaday Jr. Mm -hmm. This guy's an older guy, too. They interviewed him after. And he was ticked, to say the very (laughs) least. He was not, not happy at all. And Kyle's like... Oh, you know, afterwards, of course, he's like, I'm so sorry. He did, like, a release. He apologized to his team. He apologized to, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They only fined him $50,000. The, the guys yeah. in, a, in, a, in, like, a Sprint Cup, like, chase, the guys that come in first make almost 10 times more than that yeah. in one race. And, honestly, $50,000 to a NASCAR driver is... Not much of anything. ...pocket change. It really is. So, basically, he just he apologized. You know, that kind of stuff obviously doesn't change it. They sat him out during this last race. He They actually had one of his um, teammates go in there who, I guess, got in a really bad crash a couple years ago during a Sprint Cup. His name is Michael McDowell. Finished 33rd. So, I mean, not awesome, not great, but it dropped Kyle down to 11th. In the chase, so well, that's that's the big talk of NASCAR this weekend is fifty thousand so dollars. So two races left. Two races left. Um, I just exited out of where they are, but yes, there are two left. They're both on Sundays, so they'll both be one o'clock, one o'clock, two thirty starts or whatever on Sundays. So all right, well, two races left, everyone out there. So um, if you like NASCAR, you got two races left. Ooh. So definitely tune into that. It starts in February with the Daytona five hundred. Yeah, it's like it, it, it's back so fast. It's like NASCAR never went anywhere. It's like three months. Which I'm like, yeah. why can't it be gone longer? <laughs> but uh, we'll get into the Red Wings real fast here. Uh, the Red Wings finally broke their uh, six-game losing streak on Saturday. Um, it was finally against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, they won 5 nothing, out shooting the Ducks 50-22. to uh, Jimmy Howard looking great this season. Regardless of the six-game losing streak they did have, Howard is still 5-3-1 and with a 1.77 goals against average and a nine, and pretty much a 93% save percentage. 
Um, been one of the best goalies in the league. He's been playing fantastic. So definitely, it's not Jimmy Howard. It's been the offense. Offense finally got back in the form here on Saturday night. Uh, Fabian Brunstrom was recalled by the Wings on Saturday. Todd Bertuzzi is ill um, as well. So uh, Patrick Eves, he has some back trouble going right now. So they will keep Brunstrom um, on the roster for those reasons. The Red Wings will be facing the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday night here at Joe Lewis. That game should take place at about 8 o'clock. Then they will play Friday night against Edmonton at Detroit and then finish up their six-game home series, um, home stand against the Dallas Stars on Saturday. So they play Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. That's what you're looking for there. Um, good thing Zetterberg Franzen getting goals in that game against Anaheim to break their slumps. So good for them. Very nice to see there. little quote here from Babcock about the Wings' slump, uh, if they're out of it or not. He says, quote, I'll let you know in about six games. The bottom line is we have a lot of work to do. I like the way we played last game, and we played hard. We played hard a lot of games, but we didn't score. It was good to see us score, but we have to be relentless for 60 minutes, not 30 or 40. So that is the Wings. And again, real fast, didn't have a lot of time for it. We'll talk about a lot more on Monday. Michigan State did beat Hillsdale in their final exhibition game, 80-58 to here on Friday night at the Breslin Center. And they will be taking on North Carolina, number one in the country, in the inaugural Carrier Classic aboard the USS Carl Vinson. That will be in San Diego, taking place at 7 p.m. this Friday night on ESPN. I'm excited. Should be really That's good. A it's game. a very tough two games for Michigan State. They play against North Carolina in this game and then against Duke. So tough, two tough games. Let's see if Michigan State can get this going the right way. At least win one of them. That's all I'm hoping. Mm. But I uh, want to thank all of our listeners out there for tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, definitely have a brand new show for you next week. A lot to talk about. So definitely stay tuned for all of us here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. My name is Dave. And I'm Megan. And you guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.